Welcome to this episode of Clinically Pressed. In this episode, we call in to have a follow-up conversation with Corey Campbell of Omaha Spine and Sport. We talked to Corey a long time ago on a trip to Omaha where we covered all kinds of amazing content. You'll definitely want to check that link in the show notes if you haven't seen that or go back and search for Corey Campbell on clinicallypressed.com. Also, uh, Jace Peters, who works with Corey at Omaha Spine Sport, joins us for this episode, and we really cover quite a bit of ground. Uh, this one, we were jumping around a little bit, but it, really good information. A lot of it going around what is the difference between clinical success and business success, and not so much in terms of like how you diagnose and treat and rehab anything, but really the interaction with the patients and putting it as a patient-centric practice to really get somewhere with them and make them feel like they're a part of the whole process. We also dive into a little bit about some motivational people that they both like, Tony Robbins, Stephen Covey, and how those people influence their lives on a daily basis and just trying to keep some of those things that they think about in the front of their mind and that those two specifically put out there. So again, to cover a lot of ground, um, some very good tidbits. Corey is very experienced and has done a lot through the chiropractic realm and beyond. So we highly recommend listening into that. Also, please be sure to check out our partners at Paragon Fitness and Nutrition. Go there, check out their night gains. It is their best selling supplement, helps to get a great night's sleep and use promo code CP15 for 15% off at checkout. Again, Paragon Fitness and Nutrition. While we're checking out, great guys, great products. So make sure you give them a shout. Thanks everybody, enjoy this episode. Okay. Okay. Dr. Jace Peters will be joining shortly. Uh, this is a follow-up from episode number 12, actually. So it's been a little while. Yeah, um, it has been. Omaha, and it was a great conversation, so we thought we'd follow back up. So thanks for joining us again. Oh, no, thanks for asking me again. That was cool. Yeah. Um, I guess we just uh, wanted to jump right into it in terms of time and everything and um, following up on everything before, I guess, um, would you explain maybe the difference between clinical success and business success? Yeah, I wish I knew. <laughs> I'm really we'll interested. Wait for Jason. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, I guess just from, I guess it's been, how long has it been now? Two years since we did this the first yeah, time? I think so. It was May, about two years ago, I think. Was that full two years ago? I believe so. There yeah. we go. Yeah, two years ago. Yeah. No. I guess I just kind of threw that out there because um, just from all the teaching and the things that I've been doing recently, there's been a lot of, uh, you know, just different groups. There's been a lot of focus on, like, the clinical aspect of it, the evidence-based care. Um, and I think, yeah, that's what you have to you have to 
have a good skill set and you have to be, you know, a skill set that's ever expanding. But I think people mistake that for like, that's going to translate right into clinical success. And um, for me, like the biggest thing I've been trying to get across to the groups I teach to the last year is that you have to have a good skill set. Like that's absolutely important. And that's a big part of it. But there's also this personal side that you have to be able to connect with your patients on a different level, just not the clinical level. The clinical level is going to get you to a certain spot in practice, but it's not going to sustain. And until you kind of understand the difference between being good clinically and being good from a from a relationship and from a connection standpoint, then there's a there's a gap that's hard to cross and you never kind of take your practice to that next level. And so you know, a lot of what I've been trying to get across to people is, you know, just in my own uh, that we can only do through experiences to be able to make connections and communicate to patients. Patients, when you have that bond established too, that kind of that relationship. Yeah. And that's, I think that's, I think that's the big part of it and you see it, but it's hard to, it's hard to teach, you know, like with some of the busier practices, even with Dr. King's practice, where it's probably, but it's hard to, it's hard to teach, you know, like with some of the busier practices, the things I do when I teach is I basically, I did a business practice building thing for Cleveland um, prior to teaching a class there. And I printed off my Monday patient list. And I basically went through the patient list and I broke it down as how a, how an early on clinician or a student would look at it, which is this person has, adhesive capsulitis. This is a right SI joint issue. This guy has patellofemoral syndrome, plantar fasciitis. You go through and you kind of kind of organize it by condition. But what's really cool is if you can go in and be like, uh, this person's goal is to golf full round without using the cart, or this person really just wants to be able to play with his kids, or this person is depressed because he's been in this condition for two years and he's borderline, you know, got some other things going on that we really need to deal with the depression part. And, you know, you go through it and you try to connect the clinical case part of it to case management, but also like what's important to that person? Is it just that they get better or is it some of that other, that other baggage, you know, that, you know, I just want to be able to work out again. I've got a, a firefighter that comes in here. That's all he wants to do is be able to work out. He hasn't been able to for a year. It's really affected his home life. You know, he can't play with his kids the way he wants to. And so you've got to take those things into consideration. Sometimes you have to deal with that more than you do just what you're doing clinically. And once you understand that and make that, that connection with those people, then your practice, it just, it kind of builds itself. Hmm. That makes sense. The treating the, the person more than the condition. A little right. Bit. Just, yeah, <laughs> just being patient with people, you know, and not, I think we get really hung up on being good clinically and I've, I'm to, to blame for that as well. I, I, yeah, I think if you're really good at what you do, people will find you, but I think there's a limit to that too. Because if you don't deliver clinically and you're kind of a jerk, people are going to be like, God, ah, that was, you know, I didn't, this guy is way over blood. Yeah. It was interesting just thinking back to our episode. And I remember one, you were saying that there should basically be a system or a process for everything that happens in your clinic other than your patient care. Right. Yep. Yeah, within a degree, obviously, that would you know, right. You know, right. randomly go at it. But um, just hearing that from a couple other people that I've taken a couple courses with, that just started talking about the business side and you know how 
their clinics run and like it's the certain look and the certain process and here's your plan and then you got the guy across the street that shows up in flip-flops and khaki shorts and treats on his window every condition underneath the sun <laughs> right right at least at one sometime put a promotion up it was like for x amount of dollars a month it was unlimited adjustments or something like that right and so it was, it's really interesting kind of coming back full circle on that and just seeing you know the difference and that was this guy's point is like if you want to take your practice to the next level it's you know paying attention to those things and not just you know everything's a nail i'm gonna hit it with a hammer you know thinking outside the box on stuff so it's interesting coming back around so you yeah. take that sign down yeah Kyle, new business <laughs> right so true yeah i mean there's there's so many different practice models out there new business <laughs> right so those things are only sustainable for so long before you are the ones that ask the most questions to the people that are around them and so they just truly take like an interest in the other person. And that's, you know, that's something that you can train yourself into doing. Like I've, you know, over the years I've gotten way better at, you know, leaving my stuff out of it and just trying to figure out what's, what's, you know, in front of me as far as a person goes. So is that the, the best recommendations that you would say for somebody uh, trying to implement that in terms of uh, having that perspective of seeing it? the person for what their goals are and for, um, you know, just being genuinely interested in, in, right. or in what they're trying to yeah. do. And I think I had somebody else ask me this very similar question two weeks ago. Like, how do you connect with people if you're not really that kind of, you know, you don't have to be a certain personality to, to connect with people. So what I've kind of done over the last, I don't know, probably a year, maybe two years, even since I've seen you guys is I think actually it's part of that conversation started me thinking about some other things. And so um, like I always try to ask five questions about that other person before I ever say anything about like their condition and how they're feeling or anything like that. Like I want to ask five questions that are unrelated to the condition unless they're obviously in acute pain, but I want to ask five things that, that don't have anything to do with their plantar fasciitis or their sacroiliac joint or any of that kind of stuff. And so that's just kind of how I've, train myself into into doing it and i definitely don't say anything about myself i just want to ask five questions about that person awesome. so. that's, a, that's a good way to to look at it though, or to have a set number to try to reach for just to make sure you're doing that to keep yourself accountable right it just kind of it gives you something to shoot for and it's easy to remember and you know it leads from one thing to the other you see the door opening back there it's jace <laughs> what's up jace on the hangout Hi guys. How you doing? Yeah. Just had a little sports physical. Oh. Yeah, we're crushing sports physicals here. Awesome. That's basically all we do now. Really? <laughs> Speaking of pra building practice models. Right, there you go. <laughs> Interesting, right? <laughs> 25 bucks. <laughs> uh, patient success of young docs versus uh, old guys, and I know you put us old guys. I don't think you're that old, Corey. But are you guys old guys or new young guys? I was probably thinking of like the MPI guys that I teach with. So like Mark and and a lot better insight into you know how you actually make you know those connections and that congruence and how you can build a practice that doesn't have to focus on the numbers. And I think the young guys have a better grasp of that than we do. 
and that their model or their idea of success is slightly different than ours because ours was very financially driven. It was all about the numbers and how many people you could get in and how you could put systems in place to see more and more people versus, you know, perhaps the success for us now, I think for me anyway, is being able to see a fair amount of people, not shorten them on time and not, you know, give somebody less time than they actually need um, and still be able to, you know, cut some some hours back in the clinic so I can spend more time at softball fields and wrestling tournaments and things like that. Like that, to me, that's that, that's an important part of practice now, too. And there's a way to go about it that doesn't have to involve taking advantage of, you know, associates or independent contractors and just squeeze them for more of their time. Yeah, I think that's good. I think from my standpoint, I was, I got out of school. I mean, you have all this debt and I was the only one working in our household. So I felt immense amount of pressure. And I think that pressure initially come, came and I hyper-focused on my numbers. Um, how many patients am I seeing? What are my collections? And then I think I kind of reached a point um, like where I just kind of set that aside. Like I know all my numbers, it's definitely, it's good for goal setting um, because I want to be able to track, am I getting busier? Why am I getting busier? Like what type of marketing am I doing that is working, whether it's patient referrals, uh, other providers. So I think probably about even after the first year, I really focused more on using my numbers strictly as a goal setting. Um, measure as opposed to a practice success measure. And honestly, I just focused on the, try to focus on the patient and getting them better and um, having them refer me patients. Cause I, I mean, we've all had them there. Sometimes the best referrers aren't the ones you actually get better. Um, it's the people that you help and kind of guide in a certain direction and, or you're just honest with them. So I think that's the big thing for me. And then like Corey alluded to, I think I've seen so many um, of my docs, mentors, friends just kind of run themselves into the ground, um, chasing visit numbers and chasing financial success. But I don't necessarily think they're happy doing that. So um, for example, I have just kind of set boundaries. I, I take Wednesdays off. Um, we just had a little girl. I'm going to watch her every single Wednesday. So that's important. I absolutely love having a day off in the middle of the week. It's so good for my mental health. Uh, I work long days on Tuesdays and Thursdays, so having Wednesday off to kind of be with my family or get some personal stuff done, even just being able to go take your car and to get an oil change. It's like, <laughs> it's nice to have that day to like get some personal stuff done and not pawn it all off. I think it's on a, a decent trajectory. Awesome. Great points. I totally agree with you with, uh, I have Wednesdays off as well, and it, it's really nice to be able to, you know, have that family time. It's kind of, I think you can get caught up in the numbers very easily. And if you, if you don't set that aside and they're only young for a short amount of time. So it's nice to be able to kind of not be forced to take that time, but I mean, forced to take it. Right. Not that, not that in a bad way or anything, but uh, I think that's very important, you know, setting priorities and, and setting up your schedule around that. Yeah. No, it's, it's easy to, to get focused and like Jay said, it's easy to work yourself into the ground. And when you look back at it, the more, the more you work and the harder you, you try to get those numbers, the, it becomes diminishing returns because you just don't have like the energy that you need to have with your patients because you're so focused on something else that has nothing to do with the patient that's in front of you. 
And it just starts to, people pick up on that. It's crazy how practice works. Like if you're stressed or if you have something going on outside the clinic, it feeds into the clinic and patients pick up on it. They'll even ask you like, are you okay today? And then that's kind of a reality check for me that obviously my head's somewhere else and I need to kind of get it figured out. So what have and can you learn from millennials, Corey? Just mostly techie stuff. <laughs> uh, Google Hangouts. <laughs> yeah, I found Google Hangouts. I did that all by myself, though. I didn't even have to ask for any help. There you go. <laughs> We're still working on a little yeah. too. I got the, studio, the Google uh, checklist right, right up on the <laughs> No, I think it is because I work with two millennials. I mean, and to lump them into the millennials is kind of almost like a, it's almost like an offhanded comment now, but um, no, they do think they do look at things differently. And obviously, um, as far as like, you know, just their, their acumen with social media and, and different avenues to get patients in the door and, and ways to reach people, I think is, I mean, I've learned a lot from just these two guys and just the way they think and kind of how they approach, you know, life and practice just in general, it's just a different approach to um, what I was, you know, raised on a farm and ranch, like it was work until you can't work anymore and then sleep a little bit and then get up to work again. Like these guys actually know how to take some time and relax and, and not feel guilty about it. Like, cause that's what I've always kind of felt guilty about taking time off and relaxing. Um, but it, it, they kind of, they've, they realize there's no work-life balance. Like we know that doesn't exist. It's just a matter of where you can just cut things off and focus on, you know, the fun part or work, focus on the, on the work part. And so, I mean, from the, as far as that goes, like I've learned a lot from them as far as just how they approach kind of life in general and how they can shut the, one thing off and turn another thing on and not have this constant like bleed over into every aspect of your life, which is, it's, it's something that I've definitely taken from these guys. And, the fact that, you know, they do kind of figure out different ways to get patients in that cost almost millennials don't want to spend any money. Like they, and so they're not going to drop a bunch of money on advertising things that don't work because they don't, I mean, they, I mean, they, they steal passwords better than anybody. I mean, true. It's, they don't spend any money. So not just that part. Best thing about having a mentor. I mean, obviously clinically, Corey's great. I've taken all the MPI stuff. So I'm, I'm not even going to talk about that because that's kind of a given, like being able to like feel confident in your treatment. Um, I have MPI th to thank for that. So, I mean, that's a given, but I think the treatment planning is a big thing. I think so many new docs get into practice and they are so afraid of over treating that they actually under treat. And it's really hard to build a practice that way. You can't build a practice seeing people once a week because you're not going to have enough patient visits to keep the door open and you're not going to get anybody better because people need more than once a week treatment most of the time, especially with the stuff that we're seeing here. So um, treatment planning is huge and being able to like actually confront a patient and say, this is what you need. Um, it's not a hard sell. If they don't want to do it, that's fine. Like I'll still treat them based off of what, but you're going to have to temper your expectations of what you can expect with treatment. Um, so I think the treatment planning thing has been huge. Um, and then just walking through the door and focusing on the now, like focusing on that patient and not becoming obsessed with your numbers. 
um, because the numbers will come if you just take care of people. Um, like Corey said, I think patients have a, a real knack for picking up if you're not present. Um, so I've my, the presence that I've tried to um, adopt and be with my patients has really, really helped my practice. I feel like I know my patients really, really well, and they appreciate that because they bring their family. And like, it's a success to me if I see a mom she brings her husband in and she brings her kids in because that means she feels that she's getting really, really good treatment and she trusts her family with you. So that's the ultimate compliment. Uh, and that's kind of what I, what I strive for and what I chase. So. Awesome. So me going. <laughs> and this cold brew. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The other thing with millennials, they're highly caffeinated. Highly. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the caffeinated last. They got caffeinated stuff that I never even heard about until now. Like I went cold brewing. That's <laughs> true. And it's not energizing you yeah. either. It's a depressant, yeah. <laughs> so true. Probably the twenty first. <laughs> right. Questions off of that or no? Um, okay, so this I'm, one I'm curious. I'm about. really curious to know this too. So how Stephen Covey and Tony Robbins affect your approach to damn near everything. <laughs> uh, any, pretty much every situation I go into. So we just changed practice models here. Uh, any, pretty much every situation I go into. So we just changed practice models here. Uh, was an employee and now is going to go into the independent contractor, um, into the independent contractor model as well. And so like every situation that I kind of face, you know, I'm not afraid to fail, which is one of Stephen Covey's big things is uh, I think he was one of the first ones to say, don't be afraid of failure, be afraid of not trying. Um, you know, I'm not afraid to screw things up, which I think I have to some extent with just how I've approached, you know, kind of maybe building too early, too soon. Um, but then the biggest thing with Stephen Covey is that he always had some really good examples in that book, uh, Seven uh, Habits of Highly Successful People. And so I've always any situation I go to, I, I still can, I still like hear, you know, employees, whether it's working with these new guys, we lost a bunch of ancillary care people here. Um, cause they wanted to go do different things and rightfully so they had very good reasons to do so. And I didn't try to stop them by any means, but it's, I always try to look for the win-win in those situations. And the other thing with Tony Robbins, like I used to, I was the same guy 10 years ago. I used to make fun of Tony Robbins till I actually started listening to him. He, um, like there's something he says over and over again, that our greatest resource is our resourcefulness. And, you know, you, you can basically, you know, success is this, this moving target that nobody really knows how to, to nail down until you actually understand what makes you, you tick. And so I've definitely, you know, learned to ask for help, even from these guys here and just, getting some new ideas and some some fresh just some fresh ideas on how to make things better and more systematic here and these guys have a lot of good ideas like a lot of the stuff that we do now have probably come from jace as far as like changing just the flow of the office and so you know i think from him i've learned a lot of that and the other thing is that he says the ultimate failure is is an unfulfilled life you know like fulfillment's the ultimate goal not money not cars not whatever it is that you can you can do from a financial standpoint houses that kind of thing but the ultimate failure is not to be fulfilled like at the end of the day that you actually did something that mattered and so those two guys have always 
I always hear them talking in the back of my head in pretty much every situation all day long. They just join the other voices, which is fine. <laughs> just join the party. That's <laughs> right. Join the party. <laughs> I like Tony Robbins. The uh, the world's not happening to you. It's happening for you. Right. Just kind of taking that accountability. Yeah. Everything and how you react to it. And we were just at this summit called Hold the Standard Summit. And that's basic. A lot of what came out of it, bottom line, is you can control only so much, but you can control a lot more than you think. Control what you got to be willing to do that and look at it. Yeah. My other one is if you wanted to take the island, burn your boats. <laughs> Although he uses the explicit in there. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Have you seen the I'm Not Your Guru on Netflix? Yeah, I've watched it twice. Yeah, it, that's a good one. I wanted to do one of his seminars and just haven't figured out when and how. Just out of just sheer curiosity. Yeah, I, I, I'm the same way. I, I, I'm just going to skip and go right to the fire walking and then go back. <laughs> same way. I, I, I'm just going to skip. Jace, do you have any uh, major influences other than the man standing next to you? That uh, Yeah, this guy. So, you know, I've kind of like – I just – do a lot of social media. That's where I get a lot of my information. Like, um, so Gary V kind of stands out. Um, I think he's, he's kind of the new, the new age, Tony Robbins, like, and he is just, I like him because he is so positive. And I BS about kindness. He talks about that almost more than anything. Yeah. And I think he just, I think so many people my age seek out, like we want success, whatever that may be. We but we just need to relax. Like we're still young. I'm 28 years old. I'm in my third year of practice. Um, I have so much of my life ahead of me um, that I'm kind of just, I watch those videos and I'm like, Hey, everything's going to be okay. This is growing at a pretty decent clip. Um, don't, don't rush it and just kind of continue to do a good job. So I think his message and taking care of people and being patient, but also just working your tail off when you're, when you're at it. So that's one for me. And then I'm kind of just lo always looking at other things. Like right now I'm kind of on a non chiropractic learning kick. I, uh, I'm reading rich dad, poor dad. I'm kind of interested in like personal finance and being able to be financially free. If I, if I can, it's how I feel my own personal health. So I think if I can kind of hit that sweet spot and then kind of have some other avenues of income to be financially free, that would be perfect for me. And I think that would help me have that that healthy work-life balance because I got one little girl now, um, maybe some future kids coming too, none planned. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's fun. That's great. So I mean, <laughs> book recommendations just based off yeah. of some of that since we touched on one book <laughs> a year or two. I'm a, I'm a rich dad, poor dad right now. Um, a new dad. I'm also reading a, reading a parenting book, so <laughs> there's that. That's kind of my focus. And then I just picked this guy's brain for parenting tips. What do you do when this happens? <laughs> and then I say, I don't know. Ask my wife. Right. <laughs> just a couple of dads doing the best they can. Sorry. Um, so the most recent books I've read, and I'm trying to find the name of it. I'll have to get it. And then um, I just finished uh, the discipline book by Jocko Wilnick, his new book. It's nice. It's pretty simple. Not the extreme ownership. He's got okay. a new one out there called, um, oh, it's about 
not the extreme yeah, we'll take a look. black cover you can't miss it it's really good it's basically like excerpts from his uh his podcast in okay. it's really good you can read it in like an hour it's simple nice that's cool he has a like a kid's young teen book <laughs> he does yeah I, I that one. we got it for him he read it just plowed through it he just absolutely loved it which is kind of cool so this one equals freedom that's what it's called Oh, kind of makes sense. Yeah, that's that would be it. So yeah. then, that, that's those four are mine. I'm behind. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. You got some. You got some time to do it. Right. Um, how do you take something that is complicated and make it simple? That's the like. That's the the greatest art, right? That's the hardest thing to do is take a complicated thing and make it simple. That's why we're. You have to absolutely own it in every little detail about it, or at least as many details as you can, and then just build on that every single week. The hardest thing to do is try to explain to somebody like what's wrong with them when they don't have like a, you know, they don't have a trauma, they don't have anything that showed up on imaging and they're looking for it and they're looking at you for answers. And then the hardest thing is to, to take your exam findings and try to make correlations so that they don't feel like they're lost. And so, it just takes you got to know things so well inside and out and know it in such detail that you can leave the details out and make it understandable like that's just hard you just have to really own it that's that's the best that's the best answer i can give you oh like good, good answer to learn about it like that's you kind of have to be a little mad that you don't know every single thing about somebody's condition and so i'm always trying to learn so i can communicate better because i think that's a huge thing is how we communicate with patients take what you say at heart. And so if you're going to connect with them at that level, then you owe them the, you owe them the fact to know as much as you possibly can and not snowball them and not lie to them about what's going on. I think it's different levels of knowing as well, just to, to know it, to understand it yourself, but then to take that to the next level, to be able to know it, to be able to explain that to somebody so that they can understand it. You know. Yeah. And a lot of times, if you don't know an answer, like it's also cool to just tell them you don't know, and then yeah. we'll have a better idea in three to four weeks of care. Like, I do that more in the last year than I ever have. Like I, I was a new doc that felt like I had to know, and a lot of the times like, I do that more in the last year than I ever have. Like I, I was a new doc that felt like I had to know, and a lot of the times about it, it might take some weeks of treatment, but and I think naturally how we all tend to treat a little bit with the. Uh, assess, treat, reassess. I think that makes a lot of sense to patients. Um, so you can kind of see before and after and see changes. So yeah, I don't know how you got here. I'm in a car accident when I was 13. And that's why I'm having this neck pain when I'm 59. Well, probably not, you know, um, but it is what it is. Sometimes you just got to let that lie for a few visits. Right. <laughs> so, I don't know is an answer they hear a lot sometimes. I had a patient earlier today that, uh, had his his back pain started in the winter of 1968. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, bad winter. Yeah, right. I heard it as hell. <laughs> I think that's chronic now. 1968. Snow shovels. Three or four visits, and he should be good, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Since our last conversation, is there anything new that you have learned looking back at? And like too fast or too or scale too fast um, and just kind of let things happen 
for the betterment of everybody. And so, I mean, other than that, I think I just tried to do things too fast and scale too fast and was a little aggressive, which, I mean, that's kind of my nature. I always have been. And so if anything, it's just to, to sit back and to really try to get to know what people want, you know, from a, not only like the guys that we work with here, but also from the, just the people that come in here. And, and again, that, that being skilled is one thing, but being able to communicate and connect with people on a different level, that's, that's when I've seen like the biggest jump in like my practice over the last two years is to really, one of the things I say to myself is, you know, what do I, what if I got paid based on my focus, my presence and my communication skills? And so I always think those things when I start to slide a little bit. And I think that's made like the biggest difference, honestly. Maybe that's millennial new age thinking, but I don't know. It seems that seems to work for me. So maybe that's what I got from millennials. Oh, that too. Great advice. I would just say, like, mind your business, like focus on yourself and bet on yourself and have confidence in yourself. Because I th can't remember where I was. I think it was the seminar I went. I drove out to Cincinnati by myself and hung out with Corey and Mark and the guys. And it's all about confidence, enthusiasm. Um, and I think I bring a lot of that to treatment. So I think that rubs off on my patients. I think I attract patients that I enjoy treating because of that and kind of push the other ones away, like that I'm maybe too positive for, like they want to be down in the dumps. And those are the ones that don't tend to follow up with me. Apparently, <laughs> um, I'm not be too positive know the name of that book like i just looked it up like i don't <laughs> i don't have to skew about that i don't have to wonder like we live in the age of now um i don't know that's that's what i learned use your resources <laughs> there it is um do you, do you have another influential purchase under hundred dollars what was yours last under hundred dollars what was yours last time? You remember? Oh, what was it? Foam roller. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's great. I'm talking to myself. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, we have Netflix. We have Hulu. It's going to change that whole industry, as we can see. There you uh, go. True. It we is. thought about checking out YouTube TV for thirty-five bucks a month, but we haven't looked into it. I'm deep. saving my free trial from when I for when I really need it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> The fire stick is good though because I walked out in the lobby and there was golf on one afternoon and so they were like bingo watching the U.S. Open and it was I was I thought maybe somebody crawled up and did the old school splice. Yeah. No, actually just we plug keep, this we little keep thing. the rabbit ears up there. Just I don't have one, so I'm gonna have to go out and get one. They're not bad. Yeah, pretty good. Not bad. <laughs> we, know, we know a guy that knows some things that we get a lot of other stuff, but we'll edit that part out too. <laughs> yeah, you can jailbreak it, but it's not. I don't know. I never liked it. Jailbroken. Yeah. My wife likes it more than I do. She has more shows. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, anything nope. you else want to cover? You guys, anything else you wanted to? Uh, I don't think so. I think we kind of covered it. Hopefully, anyway. Yeah, sure, yeah. we still have some of life's problems to solve, but we can do that another time. <laughs> I'll show him what it, where it's at. <laughs> just as a constant stream. We're just yeah, yeah. Oh, hey, All right. See you guys. Yeah, thanks again. Right, thank, thank you, guys.
Thank you for checking out this episode of Clinically Pressed. Go to clinicallypressed.com for full show notes and links to everything that was covered in this episode. While you're there, you have access to all of our episodes, insights, and shorts. You can find Clinically Pressed on YouTube and any podcast outlet. If you could give us a rating, thumbs up, or review on how we are doing, we would greatly appreciate it. To get more free content delivered to your inbox, sign up for the Total Athletic Therapy Newsletter. You'll get direct links to all new Clinically Pressed episodes, reviews on some of the latest research in health and performance, and links to related podcasts and other items meant to help you make the complicated simple and optimize performance. Thank you for listening and see you next episode.